This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. Hello and welcome to another UK Coaching Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sarah Chandler, who's a dietitian, works in the area of sports nutrition across a number of sports. Sarah, welcome. Thank you very much. Sarah, just, just, just as a brief introduction, just share with the audience the sports that you work with and your experiences working in sport and nutrition, please. So I am a registered dietitian. Um, I qualified in South Africa and have been working in sports for a number of years, but I came across to the UK to do my PhD about two years ago. And I've been working as part of my PhD. I work across a few sports, but mostly focusing on boys' rugby or men's rugby. Thanks for that, Sarah. So one of the things we're going to talk about now is the travelling athlete. And I think just before we get into that, one of the things we talked about offline was that that nutrition is part of the more holistic development of participant and athletes and the coach's responsibility to develop them. So how, how do you see nutrition fitting into that sort of empowerment, holistic development? I think nutrition can be sort of approached from quite a few different angles. I think that with, especially with young athletes, that we tend to try and think of performance nutrition as something that's very specific. But what we forget sometimes then is that it's got to be underpinned by just nutrition as a growing human being. And so I often find that I've got to focus on both aspects is that you've got to get people to take an interest or be proactive about their own nutrition and their nutrition skills as a, an adolescent human being. But then that extends into then how to get them to think about and proactively look at their nutrition as an athlete and um, I guess to try and improve on those aspects as well. Brilliant. Focus very much on the travelling athlete for this podcast. Let's just start with something you talked about right at the beginning and, and you talked about being proactive. What sort of things might an athlete need to consider when they're traveling? And, and it might be something that the athlete, the parent or the coaches need to consider. But when we're thinking about just traveling for a single day event, what sort of things might you encourage them to consider as a collective? So traveling is, I mean, we'd all travel all the time, I think, especially maybe in this country. There's quite a lot of travel going on in cars and buses and trains, etc. And the environment around travel is not usually, from a nutrition perspective, particularly Uh, diverse or planned very well in terms of looking after athletes so I think that for most cases the proactive approach is to not be restricted to what's available while you travel from a food perspective but to plan and prepare and take it for take the things that you really like for yourself and then that then eliminates any sort of last minute decisions around what's available and what's not available for you either at a venue at a service station and so that it really just starts to look at the same habits that you'd kind of want anyone to really look at is don't be beholden to what you find when you get out the car so i suppose when i think about that habits and planning and 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 as you talk about being proactive i think a couple of things that that jump out to me is one proactive might be actually the things that i pack before we go to the go go away but another thing might be what shops are around or on route or if it's on motorway services what what catering options have they got to think about and then how long am I away from one of the things that I think you've mentioned before is that a good starting point is to look at when the competition starts and my timeline working back do you just want to explain that a little bit for the listeners so I think for coaches especially if they're taking an interest in trying to get the athlete to plan and prepare for race day anyway is that nutrition really should be integrated into any day match 
race plan. And so the same way that you tell your athletes that kickoffs at three, therefore you need the athletes to be there at two, warm ups at quarter past two, all of those time frames and that planning and that awareness of the match day schedule needs to then you just overlap nutrition on top of it. So if an athlete's asking what time do we need to be there, it's very easy to just ask, okay, well that means that what time are you going to leave home? And then that infers sometimes to then, well, what time's your last meal going to be? Do you need to bring something with you because travel's longer than a certain amount of time? Or do you not need to worry about it? You can eat before you leave home. And, and often also just that if you have to set off really early in the mornings, just the idea that if you don't have time for breakfast or it's too early for breakfast, then building into the travel plan, okay, then just take your breakfast with you in the car. And an athlete then being able to to know that that is better than not eating or waiting until you get to your first service station and the only options you have are McDonald's and Burger King. And then that guiding or that having to like enforce probably what wouldn't be a great nutrition pre-game snack. Yeah, just just building on that, I think, is the bit about role modelling. So I think from a coach perspective is how well is my nutrition planned? What Do I bring my water bottle? Am I organising what I'm doing or am I a little bit uh, laissez-faire and ad hoc and it goes back to a piece that I did when I when I worked at a governing body and, and we were doing some work with a particular um, region we asked the the players a bit of a, a bit of feedback similar to you did on timeline after training and the thing that came home was that if dad picked you up from training post-training fuel and nutrition was based on how much time he had whether he had time to go to the service stations whether he needed to pick up petrol whereas when mum picked you up it was more planned and prepared so even the role modeling from parents and it's a massive stereotype but that's what came out from that particular cohort but I think if we take that to a wider piece and say well how well do I role model as as a coach on on what we're bringing are the parents thinking about it earlier are we encouraging them to have conversations so those things are are very very important and we mentioned it a little bit before it's it's how using nutrition as a coaching conversation in order to develop the the athletes to be better so as a as a rule of thumb what are the sort of and i appreciate the diversity of sports and the needs requirement what are some tips that two or three tips that a coach can consider in this area so again i guess it depends a little as you said lots of different people sizes sports requirements levels etc so everything does always need to be adjusted to the athlete and to the the setup and the situation that the person is in. But I think some easy things for coaches is uh, we do like the idea of not trying new nutrition plans or new nutrition foods on match day, race day. So you want to make sure that the person, if they want to try something or if they want to bring snacks or you've encouraged them to bring snacks is to kind of let them know that it's absolutely fine to bring the stuff that you normally eat around training. And if they want to try something new that they probably should have tried it in training beforehand. Uh, So some sports, it'll be a lot more specific, uh, whether it's halftime, whether it's pre-race because the race is on the track for cycling or if it's an endurance event when you get older, A lot of the things around trying stuff in training, athletes often have to really persevere with the concept because it feels like they should only ever have the special foods or the things that they've like heard from other athletes on race day because that's when other people have it. But it's actually to to really enforce the idea that you can do most the foods that you normally eat and you just have to practice what you do around training around your event. So that familiarity is probably really important and And then the second thing that I guess I say controversially like to throw in, 
that the role modeling side of things or that the way that we reward youth athletes around physical activity and competition is we just need to be quite aware of the fact that because we've played a rugby game that yes and i use rugby specifically because of the physicality and the combat nature of the sport but yes we have gone out and played 80 minutes where we ran into other people but that doesn't automatically mean that we get pizza so it's just this idea of not always linking our sport and our competition or our match days to things like um, treats or extra food or takeaways as a reward for what it is that we're trying to do and i think that the the topic is controversial because there's so much room for what the requirements might look like but it's to try and emphasize that if you're being if you're using familiar foods that that should continue after you play as well and just that it should be planned and prepared the same way that you're asking them to plan and prepare beforehand and just really focusing on the quality of what it is that people are taking in and again not being subject to what is in front of you and rather being more proactive about what it is that you have afterwards as well and I think just thinking about that from a coach perspective and one of the things that I've certainly seen with youth and junior sports uh, often happens is if if a team is successful or an individual is successful and they move to a different environment or a different level or perhaps to a final is then suddenly pre-match routines change and suddenly we'll provide food or we'll pre-match catering that, that hasn't previously taken place I'm thinking more before a game than rather than after our competition yeah. and so from a coach's perspective being mindful that I might be introducing the youngsters to things where at times they're not used to, meals they're not used to, foods that they might not be familiar with. And actually, am I doing the best for that performance routine and preparation? It, it's something like we could use caffeine as an example. So you get, you know, it, it's not encouraged for youngsters necessarily to be drinking 12 cups of coffee a day. But caffeine is probably one of the most researched and otherwise ergogenic substances that we have that is legally um, acceptable in sport but it's the fact that all of a sudden you get to a final and all of a sudden now we must have Red Bull or we look at a monster and of course as, as I know that the legislation obviously states that we shouldn't be selling them to under 16s the the idea that we need that extra that that's the gold dusting on the on the cupcake but in, in actual fact is that it could end up causing a problem because we haven't tried it before and so it's just media, like like moving through that space quite carefully to rather encourage the same routine and the same things that we do without being overly structured, but just making sure that the athlete doesn't suddenly have an upset tummy or feel very anxious or nervous because we've given them extra caffeine that they're not usually used to. And I think that just links in with um, what we mentioned before about coaching the individual. The reality is that as a, as a coach, or the, the advice you give as a nutritionist is very about coaching people to be the best version of themselves. So the first thing is it's about connecting with that individual getting a rapport and understanding what it is that they have in the home environment what the family do what the usual meals look like understanding what they want to do to achieve it and understanding what they do and don't like and then getting them to thrive a little bit so i think one of the quite key things there is it's not forcing meals on people like the the classic of this is the team meal well what are the choices and what are the options as a coach and to think a little bit more diverse i mean one of the nice things that coaches can do also for team-based stuff or if there's travel with the team they can suggest a menu or versions of a menu to help guide their team. But but as I say, a lot of that should probably be more focused around time rather than the actual menu choice. So get, if, you, if you sit with the concept of making it at home and bringing it with you and that you're used to it, most of the players will pick stuff that's usually quite 
fits in with most sports nutrition stuff um, and that that can be really useful from a communication perspective and it's also helpful with what the expectation from the coach to the athlete is so that's a, but at the same time the fact that that the pr- idea of prescription is that coaches should probably be very careful of ever prescribing nutritional options so it's not the idea that you have to have something specific it's trying to coach them on the different skills around nutrition. So that's why I tend to, with coaches, I tend to focus a lot on the timeframes and more around the familiarity and trialing things in training before competition so that those things are independent of what the actual food is. And it means that the coach is less likely to then um, make a, not make a mistake, but make a, an error in judgment around trying to tell an athlete what to eat, which we're trying to resist. And probably a big message there that I've heard is around this, we've discussed it before, but this taking responsibility for your own development, your own learning, and getting self, self-orientated athletes, but even widening that to the support network. So um, being proactive, as you mentioned right at the beginning, how can a parent be proactive? Letting the coaches know if the child has an allergy or is not familiar with some foods or has some, some intolerances, as an athlete, finding out when we might be eating, what things we might be asked to do, asking for the menu, so being proactive. And as a coach, considering that wider piece around, am I planning in advance? Am I communicating to parents about the choices? I might know the menu, but I don't share it. And what are our plans? There's a bigger piece right there about everyone working collectively to be proactive. And I think sometimes coaches might find that if a parent is asking about a menu, that they might feel like the the parent is being overly involved or is wants too much information because that's not something that's really a part of the the day but it it does say that i mean again that's just the 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 communication between parent and coach is also just as vital as the communication between coach and athlete so i think that between the three it's very important that as an athlete gets older and as they are more able to take responsibility for their own decisions and food choices is that they're given that responsibility to try and make those decisions so that's why you know there's a big difference between a 12 13 year old athlete and who's going to go um, participate in a, a fun school day versus a you know an academy league rugby player at age 19 and a half who's trying to get a, a contract so they, they, those levels have to always that context is so important but I do think that between the three, the p- idea of progression and the fact that we, we want to progress an athlete to get better and better is the part where it is like coaching. And it's trying to identify the skills that are required to get the outcomes that you want and then progressively pushing or hopefully pulling that athlete in the right direction. So if we take that a little bit further and, and take a responsibility, well, let's start to think beyond the, the sort of like the day plan and the post-training uh, recovery and uh, maybe an overnight stay what are the sort of things that that a coach perhaps might be mindful of and it might be around communication or in planning for an overnight stay so the i mean the easiest things and, and unfortunately with a lot of coaches in a lot of team environments you will not get to work with a nutritionist or a dietitian full-time so uh, take take some of this with what is the capacity and and what is available but um so my job would normally be to phone the hotel get the menu communicate that to the players make sure that everyone's um personal preferences are taken into account and if that's not you know the coach can technically do most of that as in phoning and finding out what's on the menu at a hotel is usually a conversation or an email that's quite quick and easy to do it allows for the athletes to then prepare mentally about what is going to be available what will be there and what they will need to bring with them if it's not what they require and i'm certainly familiar with a few players that that i've been lucky enough to coach at international level where 
um, because they're fussy eaters, I wouldn't say that they've got allergies, but they're fussy eaters. That menu choice is actually a bit of a, a performance detractor. Actually, they're worried about where it's going to be and they they get quite nervous. And as simple as finding out, and as you've said, you're not asking as a coach, you're not making any tweaks to the nutritional content. You're simply finding out and making people aware of what it is and and, and offering the choices either whether that's familiarity consistency choices options that they're familiar with and i think i mean it's it's also even things like maybe not from an overnight stay perspective but you know recently um one of my academy teams has been traveling for part of the academy league and they travel to other venues where there are local rugby clubs and there's very little ability to ask what the post-match meal will look like so even even with a nutritionist there are limitations as to what we can and can't expect or secure as a post-match option but the the idea of being able to communicate that is that if an athlete really does know that that's not what they eat and you know it's lasagna for the fourth week in a row is that maybe they'll be able to say well I'll bring my own or I'll, I'll add something else to it so that it becomes more feasible for them and knowing how far they need to travel home you know what they feel like after the game I think one of the biggest ones with as athletes get progressively more into their sport and higher up the different levels is is often athletes don't want to eat after they finish competition and that even that's part of a travel plan where if the post-match meal is something that that they feel is too heavy for them they feel it upsets their stomach that that then again to take stuff that suits them is better than them not eating so just working around that to manage the idea that you don't have to eat something but maybe if you don't eat what has been communicated to you then making sure you bring your own yeah, there's lot, lots of key messages there. Planning, being self-organised. Lois mentioned in one of her talking as an athlete, one of the uh, the videos around time management and organisation being the biggest factors for successful nutrition. A piece around the coach perhaps sharing, making awareness and encouraging people to, to understand what the choices and options are, but then not forcing players or athletes to eat post-match because that's what we've paid for and what we've planned. <laughs> and then there's a real important piece for for athletes about understanding what works for you and going back to something we mentioned right at the beginning when I'm coaching I'm preparing my athletes to have the skills before they need them in the arena so actually all these things we're talking about nutrition shouldn't be a shock on on game day they're brought into training they're brought in in earlier and I think this is a big message for coaches who work further down a pathway or work in the community setting is introducing nutrition introducing hydration having conversations doing dry cooking uh, asking people what they eat so that it becomes a familiar part of the the development before they move into the next one so it's not seen as an add-on now you're seen as important definitely that that goes back to when i mentioned that a lot of athletes also just when they go especially youth athletes so between probably 14 and 18 that they also just need to learn about food and when coaches they have a really big role to play in a lot of you know second to a parent or a teacher as the most important person in an athlete's life so it's really important that one that the messages that they give are consistent and clear but it's also just that to give them the permission to experiment give the encouragement to look at food as something that is both for performance as well as for health and well-being and that's I think where sometimes again we we get the the post-match meal or the post-event meal is a social occasion which is really vital for social cohesion of your team or if you're not in a team sport for those who are competing individually within a team you know in athletics or some or something like that so it is really important to have those meals 
but if the coach knows that there's different options of whether we sit and eat together in a in a nice space but we all bring our own or whether it's because we've then discussed as a team that we're all going to go to a certain place to go get food rather than another place but it's promoting the fact that the coach is in agreement that the expectations have been clarified that the team are on board and then the you know the rest of the social stuff will take care of itself but it is a very difficult balance between eating for just you know the nature of how we integrate food into our lives as human beings but also what are the best messages for athletes to get as they grow and as they get more down the the sort of pathway and it just reinforces the the role modeling piece from a coach the the modeling that they do are bringing their food the conversations they have that the, the normalizing if you like nutritional conversations and it's not pitched to young people as nutrition it's just let's look at what we eat and healthy eating and, yeah. and making those right choices i know you do something on the website regarding eating healthy and eating out so we'll part that about some of the, the choice options but if we can just spend the last couple of minutes perhaps overseas travel and when we're flying what are the things that need to be considered for a, an athlete a parent and and a coach so there's probably been quite a bit of work done in this in that part of nutrition and travel nutrition considering that most of the major competitions that we now exposed to as uh, viewers actually do include a lot more travel than they used to and that it's a lot more common to get on a plane than it used to be my probably my easiest again is to go with that idea of familiarity and time is to be ex- know what you've got available in the airport and to stick to the familiar meal times that you can that you normally have so unless there's huge time differences in terms of where a person is traveling it, but even then is to try and get into the routine that you normally have as quickly as possible and then to take into account that that you can do a little bit of research on your own is that if you're going to a new place that you've never been to before google maps is amazing just have a look at what's around the hotel what sort of grocery stores are available what do they have in those grocery stores the details that you can get to are you know you can there's a rabbit hole of details and you can really prepare in advance for what you should find when you get there and then knowing that once you've done that level of research if there are things that you're not going to find being able to then plan and prepare and take them with you so even if it's small things like taking your empty tupperwares because you know that you could have an option to take leftovers from the hotel or if it's a carrier bag to go to the shops with if we're or if a carrier bag helps with cold foods so that you can take it to the court side for the day because you know you're going to be next to the court for the six hours so all of those things like is there a fridge in the room utensils travel forks travel you know there's so much stuff that can be done and it mostly again includes that idea of just thinking about it in advance figuring out what details um, are important to you and what you need to achieve as an athlete or if you're the parent of an athlete and then the coach just agreeing to go you know even if it's mentally just to go through it um, as a verbal checklist just to check that you've covered all your bases before you leave and if you need to take stuff with you just remember to put it in your hold luggage not your hand luggage because it will get confiscated and that if there's anything that you're taking that you're putting into or decanting to make sure that you take labels with you so that if at any point in time you go through customs and they ask you some questions about the food that you're carrying that you know what it is and that you can show what it is and if anyone's doing any long distance stuff making 100% sure that you're not taking anything into a country that is illegal and so an uh, easy example like uh, Australia you're not allowed to take in any fresh fruit and vegetables I have a feeling that most countries actually are like that so EU would be very different than to traveling to outside of the EU not necessarily about the bit about the actual travel but overseas one of the things that 
is getting used to you've mentioned it a lot it's just getting them used to it and we talked about uh, right at the beginning about nutritional plans and the coaches and some people might want that written down some might want a guide some might want a framework others it's more informal but uh, one of the things that i think I learned quite early on from from a nutritionist was that the power of a Tupperware box um, for breakfast. So often athletes, not just as a, a nutritional piece, but actually a cost saving initiative, having that plastic box for for an athlete who might be on a budget, being able to to load up with different foods at the end of uh, and the all you eat breakfast can be actually financially quite a good saving. And particularly if you're away for two or three days and away from away from main meals, you're you're paying for your own substance. I think also that I know that I'm sure there's athletes who will enjoy this, but the buffet breakfast can actually be the undoing of many an athlete. And it's because it's a buffet and because you can eat as much as you want. In actual fact, buffets in general are not great from an athlete perspective or or human perspective. We, We want to take advantage. We want the best value for money. And the downside is that often it ends up either with overeating or with choosing things that you wouldn't normally eat. But if you have a Tupperware and you have the option to separate that out, you probably could find that you could quite easily do your training snacks from the fruit table and from the you know the yogurts on the side of a breakfast table and not feel compelled the fact that you have to eat it all at breakfast. So, but again, conversation with the kitchen, conversation with the hotel, a lot of that stuff can be sorted out as well, independent of obviously that weird feeling where you need to try and steal the yogurt off the yogurt table. But that's just, again, that depends on the the level of athletes and where we're at and what the hotel has been like so i suppose the um, link linking to that and and you're right about that wanting to get best value i think the the other thing to be mindful of i think when we travel and traveling athlete is just to be to just be considerate of boredom eating or hydrating and the fact that i've got nothing to do so i'm just going to eat and perhaps that ends up becoming more snack-based foods rather than fueling foods I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sure many an athlete will know that there's a lot of downtime sometimes when they travel or on competition schedules. And I would definitely say that a coach has the ability to just guide that as well, just to remind people that extra snacks are not necessarily always needed. And I think it's, it's again, it goes a little bit to that idea of reward, boredom, just eating out of your familiar pattern and it's just to try and remember that sometimes during competition especially like if you're coming off the bench or if you're a, a replacement player of, at the time is that it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to eat more than you normally eat and that often during competitions we actually end up being less active than during training so that idea of periodization and making sure that you eat in line with your training and your competition demands, that is an extra level of awareness, but often does come with a little bit of experience. And I would say for coaches is that that's also not the, that's not me saying that you should be overzealous where they should not have sweets and should not be, they should be banned from going for a walk for coffee and a piece of cake. Like it's not that level of stringency, but it is trying to encourage the maturity and awareness to not overeat just because you're sitting around with your team. Yeah, uh, I suppose it goes back to your very first piece around that being adolescent and exploring boring food. So that there's a part to that, but it's having having a few sweets is is a treat. But it's am I just eating for the sake of it because I'm bored, or actually it becomes a habit that I'm having them every day. Always, I'm using it because I haven't prepared myself uh, and spoken to the coach about food choices. So I'm having to fuel myself on things that I wouldn't choose to fuel on because uh, there isn't there there isn't food that I'm familiar with and comfortable trying. And I think also that even just day schedules, like we know what happens if you go to the shops and you're starving. We know what happens if you, like, as I say, the buffet breakfast, the all you can eat sushi. 
we understand that that's actually just human beings being exposed to different food environments that we all have to navigate even if we're not athletes but that when you're an athlete it just has more consequences possibly so it's just trying to give that extra level where it's not where i am never i oh yeah i will never in my hopefully in my professional life ever ban an athlete from doing anything with regards to food but it is difficult to navigate sometimes as to when is enough, when is appropriate. And, and those are just the conversations that happen when I work with athletes and I'm lucky enough to be the person trying to guide that. And then as a coach, I think that it's just really important to give the context and the why before we make rules, because rules are usually semi-detrimental yeah. when it comes to food. And they're to be broken, usually. Yes, and especially, again, in adolescence. Tell an adolescent, don't have McDonald's, They will. that is the first thing that they will want to try and hide from you. And when it comes to food and stuff, is that it, uh, and as I say, I, the consistent overlap between just learning how to eat better as a human being and learning how to eat better as an athlete will mean that it's the same for everyone else. We, don't, we try not to stigmatize foods into goods and bads and uh, healthy and unhealthy. It's more around appropriate and less appropriate. And the same thing goes for travel. Um, I know I, I sometimes refer to the, the story of Usain Bolt in Beijing 2008 where he was reported to only eat McDonald's chicken nuggets. Everyone thought this was interesting and or justifying why McDonald's should be at the Olympics. Another whole podcast there on its own. And um, in actual fact, it was later reported that one of the reasons he did that is because he hadn't experienced what type of foods would be available at the Olympics and he was too scared to try any of them. So he didn't want to try them because he'd followed the first rule, which was don't try anything new on race day. And so he, he was sticking to something where that would have been the basic advice, but he just unfortunately wasn't quite ready for all the different types of foods that might have been there. Um, and the lack of trial and error meant that he was then confined to one decision. So, so I suppose, ju- just to close that, if, if you say his coach uh, <laughs> when he was a junior had taken some of the principles we've talked about, about sharing, trying before, before you need it, developing the skills before the competition, encouraging them to think about the race plan, encouraging them to think about a nutritional plan, creating opportunities within the, the camps and sessions to, to try different fields. We, we talked a little bit before around, you know, certainly I'm, I'm aware of, of how within Pathways people have started to tweak nutrition because parents are concerned about the cost of trying something new at home. And I think I shared with you before where we did kitchen coaching and we got the youngsters to to create or, or to make fajitas so they were getting chopping and knife skills really and then they got fajitas and then we next time we added prawns into that so that some of them could try prawns they hadn't done then we removed the chicken and, and the fajita mix and started to make it more of a, a vegetable and, and more of a, a stir fry type wrap so we were encouraging them to try and explore foods that perhaps they wouldn't normally try because there was a risk of if I don't like it I've lost a meal so it was in a non-risk, non-risk environment to get people to try things that perhaps they wouldn't normally do. So I think there's a there's a whole host of opportunities that a coach can bring to the holistic development of their uh, participants and athletes in order for them to enhance their nutritional understanding. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about tapas meals or picnics where you can ask all your athletes to bring a snack and then everyone shares to try and taste each other's. Uh, there's I recently had a cooking competition with my... Uh, academy boys where they have to cook for myself and the coach and then they serve we go to their house and they cook for us and it's a competition and that that in itself again it's it's the same they are told because it's the second year I've been doing it they are told that they have to cook something they've never cooked before and they have to do it as a group 
and they have to present and so it, it really does push them to try and go but again in a non-risk environment where basically although it's a competition it's got no impact on their like rugby selection or anything like that so it is trying to encourage those skills without being overly prescriptive. Sarah thank you very much for just sharing lots of little ideas tips for coaches and your wealth of experience in uh, in nutrition for working with young participants and talent pathway athletes Anytime. thank you thank you <laughs> thank you Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.